These are great chairs. Oh my. Nerd. I'm not a hater. That's pretty absurd. It is going to be a thing. Come on. Bad Philosophy, episode 18, recorded on January 10th, 2009. How long for copy wrong? Hello, everyone. Welcome in one to Bad Philosophy. Yes, coming at you in the best audio configuration we have ever had on the show. We're almost procasters. Um, we have we have one fewer mics than people, which is pretty it's good a for good this. Step up. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know we've gone through multiple audio configurations, and very few of them have worked. Well, um, <laughs> we started out just recording it on the omnidirectional mic in my laptop, which sounded okay, but you could really tell that we were all sitting around the laptop in a room. We made some attempts to do multiple microphones uh, on different computers and, and tried, uh, we, we bought a nice fancy mixer and had a bunch of debacles with that. And finally, we found a, a configuration that works. I, I bought Almost. I, uh, I bit the bullet and bought myself a pretty nice uh, XLR-based headset, so I can now use that with the mixer. And nice. uh, we've discovered that there are multiple microphones in the digital media studio here in the library that function properly. And, and that's that's success right there. That is success right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I am happy about this. This is this is wonderful. Um, we have on the show for her second time, Julie. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Say a little bit more than you did last time. Um, I'm Julie Meadows, and I am on the show. And in a couple of weeks, I will be heading off to Korea. So I'm gonna spend a little bit of time talking some bad philosophy with you guys before yeah. I take off. So nice. That's what we like to hear. Um, Back, you know him, you love him, and you can't get rid of him. And you can't get rid of him, Kevin Saunders. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Sweet. Um, he's wearing a "I Have Highly Evolved Skills" T-shirt, um, showing the progression of mankind from ape to Homo sapien to rabid gamer. Mm-hmm. We've come a long way in ten thousand oh, yeah. years. And uh, finally, on the show with his own microphone, a little bit under the weather, but none the worse for wear. Matt Legler. That's right. Hey guys, I'm glad I'm here. Yay. Um, just a short note, Matt, on the microphone. Uh, move it over here so that when you turn your head, <laughs> you're actually still facing into the microphone. <laughs> yeah. It's a problem with a unidirectional like so. mic. Like so. That's right. excellent. Okay. So, anyways, Kevin came up with this rather brilliant idea for uh, promotion on the yeah, podcast. I'm a publicity and, uh, whore. Yeah. Because, mm. I, mean, I mean, we really need to, to whore for some publicity right now. So, Kevin, take it away. All right. Well, I've I've mentioned Cory Doctorow on this podcast probably too many times to to not be a fanboy, because I am. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of the things that we talk about that Cory does is release all of his stuff under a Creative Commons license, uh, free for download for for anybody to have just whatever and to do with what they want. Not like not like you know anything they want, but like um, one of the things he encourages people to do is release it under different formats. Um, for all sorts okay. of various readers, for there's he just um, for for someone comes to town, someone leaves town. There is actually a, a blog post on his website, craphound.com, about someone putting it onto a Palm OS ran watch. Hmm. And there's a picture of his book on some guy's wristwatch. That's fantastic. Um, but so he puts it out there. He puts it out in PDF, <laughs> HTML, and plain text, um, all of his books. And then people convert them to whatever forms they want. And mm-hmm. he lets them do this. Um, now, side, side story, I 
live in Grapevine in Lubbock. I don't live in Grapevine very often, but I go back there, see my family, you know, have a good time. And every time I do, it's a six-hour drive from Lubbock to Grapevine, Grapevine to Lubbock. And so what I've gotten in the habit of doing is getting audiobooks and listening to them. And because I'm a poor, broke college student, Cory Doctorow's stuff is free. And yeah. like, while you should certainly should go out and buy his stuff, and I certainly will once I have a little more cash, I'm actually about to buy Little Brother because it's so fantastic that I can't live without having a hard copy of it. <laughs> um... So I wanted to reread it, and I read it all once on my computer in three days. I'm getting off topic. Six-hour drive, audiobooks. Cory Doctorow's books have been recorded by various people. Sometimes Cory records them. Sometimes other people record them. And um, the one book of his that I've not gotten to is Someone Comes to Town, Someone Leaves Town, because it hasn't been in an audiobook format. And that's, that is the best time for me to like do Cory Doctorow. That's Cory Doctorow time. That, that's six hours either way. Um, and so... Uh, on this most recent one I listened to, which was Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom, which was his first novel, it was released as a podcast um, by a guy with a podcast, just part as a part of his feed. Um, and you know, Corey was cool with it, and he links to that on the on the uh, Magic Kingdom website, not the Disney Magic Kingdom oh, website, no, okay. but Corey Doctorow's Magic Kingdom website. Because <laughs> slash... the Magic Kingdom, and I'm pretty sure I didn't see Corey Doctorow there. No, no, yeah. Corey Doctorow. <laughs> Craphound.com is his main site and he's got other stuff he's also a, um, a poster or like an editor or whatever on boingboing.net which is a pretty cool blog oh, okay um, but it doesn't have an audiobook format and as someone who's really started to, started to embrace that especially with road trips and things like that I felt sad and I felt like I, sh- I should give back to the Cory Doctorow community by recording someone comes to town someone leaves town um, as, as you know sort of my payment for Letting Cory Doctorow, letting Cory Doctorow, letting me listen to the, all this stuff. Uh, so I'll probably be recording like it's not broken up into chapters, but I'll probably do like you know thirty minute segments of of the book. Um, I don't know exactly how long that's going to take. You know how many segments we're going to end up having, mm-hmm. but we'll we're going to release them on this feed. Uh, so if you're already subscribed to Bad Philosophy, you will also be getting uh, Someone Comes to Town, Someone Leaves Town by Cory Doctorow in the near future. Yeah. In addition to your wonderful, wonderful Bad Philosophy and stuff, and you know you don't have to listen to it, but it's a good it's good stuff. I'm I'm into the book somewhat, and it's it's an enjoyable book. It's it's not a, it's not hard sci-fi. Well. It's hard. it's it's science fiction. Hard enough, yeah. Um, and it's good stuff. Cory Doctorow stuff is very imaginative. This is this is a very imaginative book. Um, weird stuff exists, and and I don't I don't want to say too much because I'm going to be reading the book and you're going to yeah, hear me doing exactly. that. Exactly. Um, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be a good experience. Well, and the idea is that by putting this out there, um, it'll bring people to bad philosophy. Oh, yeah, definitely. In, yeah. in the process of of listening to. Cory Doctorow's book on their feed, they might happen to listen to some of the bad philosophy episodes and mm-hmm. hopefully like them. <laughs> yeah, I, have no, I have no problem with, 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 you know, whoring myself out, if you want to call it that. Because yeah. um, it's, it's something I wanted to do, and, and I now have a format to do it in via bad philosophy, and it will benefit both Cory Doctorow fans and bad philosophy. Precisely. I just consider to be future Cory Doctorow fans are just future bad philosophy fans. Excellent. Okay. Mm. Well, that then that sort of brings us around to our, our topic of the day, which is uh, creative Creative Commons, copyrights, uh, statute of limitations, um, public domain, the, yeah, and public domain. Um, you mentioned Disney earlier and the Magic Kingdom, and I have <laughs> I have a particular beef with with Disney because um, every time it seems that the the Mickey Mouse trademark or uh, copyright or whatever it is. Steamboat Willie, that's what it is, um, comes up for renewal um, or, or comes up for the, the point where the um, copyright would expire. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney launches a massive lobbying campaign in Congress and ultimately ends up extending the, the copyright um, period 
for you know 15, 25, even 50 more years. Um, and they're actually, they're actually considering um, pushing a bill that would extend the expiration time to 150 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. I, you know, beyond, beyond the lifetime of, certainly Walt Disney is well, it's, dead. It's not 150 years, it's 150 years after death. Exactly. 100, oh, 150 years after the death of the original yes. the, author. It, the, yeah. the current copyright stands, it's, you know, I think, I want to say it's 70, but maybe 100, 100 years already. Uh, it, it's probably seven because we haven't hit the hundred year mark since Steamboat Willie. Um, but it's it's it lasts. It's, it's supposed to be a hundred years after or seven years after the creator's death, right. um, which which comes from what was originally death plus seven was was the original not the original copyright, but that was like the, one of the first big ones. Mm-hmm. Was you get it for seven, you know, you die, your family can can make money off of that for seven years exclusively to to help support that family. And seven years is a pretty substantial time to to you know live off somebody else's work. Yeah. Excuse me. <coughs> you sneezed. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I just want to go off on a little tangent here. I I have a beef with the whole like you know bless you thing. Um, did we talk about this? On we the, did. On the last I don't. Podcast? I don't know if it was on the cast. I, I or don't after think, the cast. You know. It, <sighs> Saying bless you comes from an, an archaic uh, belief that if you sneezed, it, it your the, soul the was now dead. vulnerable to like demons stealing it away or something. So the Catholics would say God bless you, and it would scare the demons away, and they wouldn't take your soul. And for some reason, it has persisted in our culture <laughs> as the courteous thing to do whenever someone expels saliva from their mouth at eighty <laughs> miles per hour. Um, I I see it as as no different from any other bodily function. Um, as you know, yawning, blinking, farting, whatever, um, and uh, we don't really have uh, a courteous thing to say when someone blinks. Or you, do you not feel exposed when you're blinking, though? I, I don't. Well, no, <laughs> no. Okay. Side note on blinking. I read this somewhere, so it may or may not be true, but it, it makes a lot of sense that like when you blink, your like part of your brain shuts down during that period of time, so you're not conscious of the fact that you're blinking when it's involuntary. Oh. Like when you when you consciously sit here and go blink, blink, <laughs> blink you're, you're aware of it because because it's a mental thing. You're you're doing that. But when you unconsciously blink, when it's it's not a it's not a part of you know you, something you're doing naturally, it happens all the time. But you don't notice it because it it shuts down for that you know millisecond or whatever it is. So you don't actually miss anything. Hmm. Your visual stream is not interrupted. Okay. Back, I just, back to back, back to bless the, you. Back to the sneezing thing. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know, uh, Julie. What do you think? Do, do you think we should keep saying "bless you" every time someone sneezes? I mean, it and seems, not even not even "God bless you," but just "bless you." It seems like, really strange to me, and I've always found it really strange. And and because I I have heard that before that it is kind of an old tradition, but I don't know. It's. Sometimes I feel like I have to say it because the other person's gonna think I'm rude or something. Yeah, but it's like it's rude if you don't if you don't say like, it. And, and like, them. and some sometimes people will like uh, battle to be the first person <laughs> who says bless you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they'll say it like really soon after you bless you. Ah, gotcha. And then it's like, like, well, if they sneeze again, like, do you say it again? Or say it again? I am I am a multiple sneezer, and, and some people don't know this about me, but well, I, me sne- I sneeze in twos and threes generally, um, at least two, sometimes three, and and so like I'll sneeze and someone will say bless you, and then I'll sneeze again like immediately afterwards and they'll say bless you again by the time they get to the third season they're tired of blessing me exactly and like you only get two you only, yeah you only get two well, that's I why think it makes I'm it always up. the awkward blesser like I'm like should I say it 
say it. No, <laughs> Are they done sneezing yet? I'm just not sure. Well, you see, you got to mix it up a little bit. After you say bless you like the t- two times, then you get to the third, then you say, oh, excuse you. So <laughs> I say things like, what? when people sneeze sometimes, I'm like, goodness. So when, no, no, by the third one, then it's their fault. Like, oh, excuse you for being so, well, have you for inconveniencing me. Have I you heard someone say that before? Like, someone sneezes, you go, oh, excuse you. No, no. Have you never heard that? I've never not heard, heard that. that. I hear people say that all the time. <laughs> like, if, I, like if someone like, okay, I've heard something like that. Like if someone burps, you're supposed to say, "Excuse me," because it's rude to burp. I, I think it's you know fun, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Why doesn't someone do the same thing when they sneeze? Like, I chew. Excuse me. Well, yeah, because it's, you know, it's, it's excuse me for interrupting the conversation, or whatever. Sure. But like you say, excuse me when you burp. Or, excuse me when you burp. And I've I've seen people like if you burp and then you don't say excuse me, some be like, well, excuse you, <laughs> and what? like because you didn't say it, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, if it's a social setting where you know burping isn't a faux pas, you know, sitting around having fun with my friends and I burp in front of them, so what? <laughs> um, but uh, back to, back to the thing that actually started this—the the sneezing, yeah, like the replacement. Because this is this is something I want to get started. Like thumbs up for Slurpees. Yeah. Um, was it was it my idea? Who's I think. Well, I don't. I, I think you came up with. I it. I don't know. Yeah. It was just. It was. It was somebody's oh, no. idea. It was. It's related to American Sign Language. Like when. Oh, that's when, what, That's what it came from. When someone um, sneezes, you traditionally just sign like you sneezed. <laughs> and uh, and I mean it's it's taken to mean bless you and they say you know thank you or whatever mm-hmm. but <laughs> I think we should start doing it in English like when someone sneezes just say you sneeze you sneeze <laughs> and it's not like a negative thing it's not just it's just an acknowledgement right yeah you sneeze so it's like congratulations you, you made it way to go it's 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 like thumbs up for Slurpees and and then, and and then you're different and yeah. I like I like being oddly quirkily different. Um, <laughs> And plus, it eliminates like that awkward thing, you know. That, then, then the whole sneezing thing—you're not just saying what everybody else is. You're, yeah. It makes it into a kind of a fun joke. It's like, yeah. what? what? <laughs> yes, I, yes, I did. Yep. <laughs> and it, it works multiple no, times. Too. I did not sneeze. <laughs> you're lying. 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 You're lying. <laughs> I was expelling demons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just doing doing my my demon hunting duty. <laughs> um. That, that was a good little tangent, right? That was it. That, that was, was good. Okay, but anyway, back to uh, public domain copyright. Anything? I, I don't. I just want to let's go. Let's go like philosophical on this. Which you know, what a concept, right? Bad philosophy. <laughs> what do y'all think should be the the period of time that should pass before work goes public domain? Like, is was the seven years right? Was it fifty? Should it be a hundred and fifty years until someone can can do whatever they want with your work? I'll say something. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the straight up answer is I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm I have this sort of this battle in me because I'm I'm a writer. I write things, and I hope to have somebody either have them published or produced or whatever that my place produced. So I want to get credit, and I want to make money from my work. Um, and and growing up, I mean, that's I've, I've been so ingrained, and you know, that's how you do it is you have to keep your copyright, you have to protect your copyright. And you have to fight for it, right? Um, and stuff like that. But then I look at someone like Cory Doctorow, who's making a living as a writer, giving his books away, and and it's this this thing where I'm I'm questioning what the purpose is because it's it's one of those well, okay, I release a play, and and I can I've seen how it works with books and novels because Cory Doctorow does that. Um, but if I, if I have a play that I've written and I've produced. The way I make money off of that is not people buying the play; it's by people putting it on, and they pay sure, the royalty yeah. for that. And so, it's a very different situation in my mind that I, I haven't quite figured out how to deal with yet. Hmm. Because I could, I could very easily release a play, public domain, you know, Creative Commons, and say, you know, you can you perform it, you can't change it. Um, let me know when you're doing it, and attribute me appropriately. 
um, which is one of the various Creative Commons licenses. Um, but I don't know if the same situation exists with plays as with novels. Well, it's it the... It, it, it just it creates all sorts of complications. I mean, what, what, is the, what is the initial intention of copyright? It's to keep someone from taking what you have created and calling it their own. Or and making just, money off and of it. And making money off of it, exactly. One thing I've noticed, um, this is sort of another tangent, but um, maybe this would be a good thing to bring up with uh, Alex, uh, yeah. Kevin's, Kevin's friend who's, who's teaching uh, English in Japan. I, I have seen pictures from over there of like vending machines and such that have um, Pokemon, for instance. Like just just Pokemon on the machine, but they're not. There's no like little trademark thing. You know, it's not. It has nothing to do with Pokemon. Like this is this is just the art that whoever designed the vending machine decided to adorn <laughs> it with. Huh. Um, but it seems like the, the the copyright laws are different over there. Um, so you do you do end up having these situations where people will just take. Oh, you know that's a that's a cool company logo. I think I'll put that on my you know thingamabobber that I'm making right here. You know mm-hmm. I'll put this on my little device and uh, you know not give any sort of credit to the original source. Um, but people do that, mm-hmm. and folks are still making money. Like yeah. it, it's it doesn't become an issue until the person who's ripping you off is making significant money off of your work. Yeah. And I mean nobody nobody is ever going to make more money than Disney with Mickey Mouse. <laughs> like that is that is simply not ever going to be the case. But we should be able to use Mickey Mouse without having to pay Disney. Um, or what about the happy birthday song? Or the yeah, there's or the happy of, birthday song. There's and I I wish I had the, I didn't even think we were going to talk about happy birthday so I didn't even plan it all. But I wish there's someone did um, a, a sort of a scholarly journal investigating the copyright claims of Happy Birthday, um, and investigating the, the, these two sisters' claim on it. And apparently, this guy makes a pretty good case that it actually is in the public domain. Really, I, I um, would agree. Yeah. Using legal precedents and things like that, and and that their copyright may not actually even be the first copyright on Happy Birthday. But that's that's a, that's another thing. But well, it's a good example, though. I mean, well, yeah. we, we everybody sings the Happy Birthday song, and it's not like mm-hmm. you don't think about. Oh, well, who owns this? We sang it at Mueller's birthday last night. Yeah, we we had a we had a birthday party for our our friend's twenty uh, first, and yeah, I mean, we sang the song. It was a slightly modified version. I think we yeah. we shortened it by like one Happy Birthday line. Did we? I don't yeah, know. we did. But it was essentially the the same thing. Um, in about 15 different keys at the same time, uh-huh. which sounded horrible, but... But that is the Happy Birthday song. But that is, that the, is happy the Happy Birthday, birthday song. Yeah, <laughs> like if, I, don't, I don't even know if there's a standard key for the Happy Birthday song. <laughs> key of E. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, yeah, maybe you should play guitar. I don't even know what key of E means. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> it, it just... Uh, whatever. It's complicated. <laughs> Easy enough. No, it sounds like Facebook. It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> it's but not no, that complicated. It's not that complicated. But the, okay, the happy birthday thing. Yeah. Um, the reason public domain exists, it's, it's because for th- it's for things that have become, in my mind, something that has become culturally... Common, common. I mean, yeah. that's it's it's public domain. It's anybody can use it, like Happy Birthday. And Mickey Mouse has kind of hit that point where he, Mickey Mouse has been around that it is it is not the. I mean, it is the brainchild of Disney Corporation and it's owned by that. Yeah, whatever, but it is, but, but it has permeated our society in such a sense that Mickey Mouse. You know, if if I buy a Mickey Mouse clock, I'm not doing it to pay Disney money. No, I'm doing it because I want a Mickey Mouse clock on my wall. Right. Mm-hmm. You like the art and you want to mm-hmm. want to pay for it and, and have it. Yeah. Um, and and happy birthday has become a part of the public lexicon. Yes, it's one of these issues that, that I think it's simply a matter of an old way of thinking 
um, or not acknowledging the well, because the the idea of a commons actually is even older than the idea of private property. Oh um, yes, I remember there there was an honors lunch discussion yeah, for where a there. member of the yeah, um, mm-hmm. Chris Smith I believe was yeah. his name is uh, a faculty member uh, here. I at, was at that one. Yeah, at Texas Tech uh, came and spoke about this um, that the idea of common land has been around in Europe far before the it was you know segmented up into plots of land that people actually owned. You just had you know you kind of had your your house. Um, and the land around it, and then there was just like land that nobody really owned. Like you, you could there was there was sort of a public understanding that you would respect this land. Uh, you wouldn't, or even if you went onto someone's quote unquote property, you would not damage it, or you wouldn't try to like establish your own house and <laughs> you know let your cattle graze on it or whatever. But that actually became an issue. Is is how do you? How do you say? How do you delineate? Well, this this is where my cattle can graze, or this is where yours. Mm-hmm. You put up fences, and as soon as people started putting up fences, the idea of private property came about, and so the commons gradually disappeared. Um, we saw this happen in in America. Um, the The Native American idea was nobody owns the land. Like you don't you don't own land. <laughs> Everybody owns the land, or or nobody does. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the same thing. It would, it, it's it's interesting that way. Um, so you know this idea of of people coming in and, and like giving them land or claiming land was just completely foreign to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's become ingrained in in our Western culture since about the the late Middle Ages, I think. Um, that that you have your own property, uh, and it, and it ex- extends to things that you create. But nowadays, I think we're we're moving more back toward the idea of a commons. The like there, has done there that. should and and I think there's a distorted idea that everything must be privatized or that privatization is somehow inherently good when in cases of like Happy Birthday Song or Mickey Mouse you reach a point where privatization makes no sense. It shouldn't be owned by anybody. There are certain things like air or water. Like you know, nobody <laughs> nobody owns the air. You should except uh, you should read the Moon is a Harsh Mistress. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> except companies are starting to say this. Like we, like you the know, FCC. Like well, <laughs> yeah, they own they own frequencies mm-hmm. or ranges of frequencies, which are are simply modulations of electromagnetic waves. I mean how. <laughs> The the, well, the way people, in which they are own putting them. copyrights on on DNA sequences. Yes, mm-hmm. um, you, you start you reach a point where it just becomes ridiculous. Um, and I think I think we did talk about this in a, in a previous episode. But the, going back to the idea of of commons, um, what is what should be reasonable though? Because you you don't want to you don't want to then have the the reaction and just say, sorry, Kevin just <laughs> just put a um, put the microphone holder over his eye and it looks a little bit like an eye patch. Or hey, we're, we're talking about pirates. So. Right. We are. Yes. I guess we can. This is kind of related to pirates. bring the props. <laughs> I, okay, I have a question to kind of pose for y'all here. You said that we're that the copyright could be an old way of thinking. So, is there a difference between the trademark and the copyright in in such trademarks, a way in that the trademark is still much more applicable than the copyright is? Uh, I think because trademarks make more sense. The trademark like you, protects your company more than your work. Right. And so. It makes sense that your work you want to be distributed as much as possible, but your company is what makes money, so you want to protect your company and your company name, not necessarily your work. Yeah. Uh, and, and trademarks I really don't have a problem with. I mean, you, you want to be able to delineate, okay, well, this person <laughs> is selling this, this person is selling this, and, and you don't want to have confusion over that. Like, should we, should is, we explain the difference? Because I'm, okay, I'm a little... Okay, well, a, a trademark is, 
you know, it used it goes back to simply marks that people would put on packages that they were trading. Like literally, okay, this is East India Trading Company, or this is you know Dutch in West India movie. Trading Company, or whatever. <laughs> they they would have their own mark, and uh, it would delineate you know which goods were sent by which trading organizations. Um, and and it, of course you needed them because if you got it mixed up, like nobody knew, okay, where do you put the royalties? Who pays who? You know, who's, mm-hmm. who's responsible for this? Whatever. But it's it's extended now to companies like you know, like Gatorade. They have their their little uh, lightning bolt, orange lightning bolt thing. That's a trademark. That you know, if somebody put that on Powerade, you would think Powerade was Gatorade. Well, mm-hmm. that's not cool. If I, I want to drink, t-shirt. if I want to drink Gatorade, then I don't want to, you know, get get the whole bait and switch thing and end up with Powerade. I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, you'd be so disappointed. I would be I really actually, disappointed. I actually have. I don't. I don't think it's here in Mother, but I have a T-shirt that has the Gatorade thing on it, and it's not for a Gatorade product. Interesting. Well, like, it, was, it was made by uh, my church group. Okay. So it's very like you know we're not we didn't make a money off of it we didn't anything which which brings up fair use. Oh yeah. That, that, okay. Anyways, <laughs> explaining continuing the difference between trademark and copyright. Copyright is over works produced. Um, you like intellectual property. IP. You you create something, um, an invention, uh, an idea, whatever, a way, a, a pattern, something um, that's unique, and you want to make sure that 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 uniqueness is preserved and and identified with you, the original creator. Mm. Um, so you put a copyright on it. Um, th- this applies more to like novels and plays and movies mm-hmm. and such. Um, it's it's related to trademark, sort of. You're trying to protect your identity, um, or trying to associate an identity with a certain thing. Uh, but it's that's th- they are still fundamentally different things. Mm-hmm. And then trademarks, I really don't have a problem with. Um, but I was going to pose a question to y'all with copyright and with fair use. I mean, you you can go the extreme opposite direction and say, well, you know, everything should be common, or or way more things should be. Creative Commons or fair use than not, and I think that's dangerous. Like, where where do you draw the line? Well, the, where where I stand right now, and this is this is definitely hypocritical in my case. It's it's fair use if I do it. It's copyright <laughs> infringement if you do it, um, which, which is something that I'm trying to I'm trying to work on okay. because because as a creator of copyrighted work, one thing that's cool in the U.S. as soon as you create something, it's copywritten. Huh. Copyright right. is inherent. Right. Um, now proving that proving you know that you were the first one to create it is a little more tricky. It's yeah. difficult in court, but um, but but you I mean you you don't even have to put a copyright thing on it and it is copyright you. Every all the documents in my my scripts folder on my computer are copywritten by me, hmm. um, which is cool. But I, I mean, say yeah. Julie, for instance, like where where do you think it it should be? Say in the case of the the limitations, we're going going back to that again. Like how long should it be after a person dies, or even even after they create it? That this should enter the public domain, or should it be some sort of like qualitative thing, like the Happy Birthday song? Well, I mean, I think a lot of different. Ca- I mean, each case is going to be different in some senses too. I mean, it's really strange to talk about Disney even because nobody even thinks about Walt Disney anymore because he's right. been dead for so long. It's the Disney Corporation and kind of um, what they do. So I never actually really thought about them even having the copyright to Mickey Mouse. That never crossed my mind. I'd, I've just been so far removed from that, I guess, that I don't even think about that. But um, that does sound pretty outrageous. But, I mean, we still sit and draw, like, Mickey Mouse faces sometimes. I mean... 
You should start a graffiti movement that just does Disney characters. Oh, that would be awesome. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. that's that's. Can we copyright that idea? I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do, do we even need to? Right? Isn't it inherent? So we just yeah, it's I guess already yeah. copywritten. <laughs> we got proof. It's recorded. Well, we, we could throw a Creative Commons off yeah, and let do. other people do it. We have we have proof here. We've got the exactly. audio recording. So yeah. that's a good idea. Date and time stamp. I, yeah, I think. Um, I think you bring up a good point, Julie. Like, maybe it should be more a case-by-case basis thing. Like, we shouldn't have some sort of blanket, everything is has a limitation of 150 years after the mm-hmm. original creator dies. You should look at it on a case-by-case basis. Or if something reaches the point where, hey, you know, a lot of people are, are just doing this and they're not paying copyright or whatever, mm-hmm. let's consider if maybe this thing should go common. Or, or what if, like, you know... Everything else in a society that you own is passed on to your heirs through your will. And so what if your copyright is put in your will? And if you don't have an heir to inherit it, then it goes public domain instantly. Well, how would that work? That's a crazy idea. Mm. Well, that's well, that doesn't quite work because, you know, if you don't put something if you don't put something in your will, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anybody can take it. You know, if if I right. if I own yeah. 17 hats and I die suddenly, <laughs> but I've forgotten to, I don't actually own 17 hats. <laughs> I think you're pretty close. Kevin well, has a lot of hats. Hats and wills go together because I just got awesome news. There's a there's a guy in my home church uh, back in Grapevine who wears hats and we talk about hats. And he's he's an older gentleman, but he's he's awesome. Um, but I just learned recently that he left me all of his hats and his will. Oh, uh, my God. So like, I, I don't want him to die. Like he's cool, and I want him to live a long and happy life. But you know he's going to die at some but, point. But when, when he does, he does I will probably still alive, and I'll probably hats. get a bunch of cool hats. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but just but if he had not put those hats in his will, that doesn't mean they're not going anywhere. Right. You know, that doesn't mean anyone can come into his house and take his hats. So I mean, that's it, it. Would be a strange case to do that with with copyright specifically. What have mm-hmm. an estate sale for the copyright? You know, you know, I've got I've got the, I've got the copyright on uh, Goofy the dog. Goofy the dog. Uh, do I hear five dollars? Five, seven, seven dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but and see, you know, Disney would have would take it out of the hands of the, even the original copyright. Oh, holder. certainly. Like they certainly. they would they would then say no. You, even even though you want it to be out out there, we don't. So, <laughs> and I think that's actually what it. What they do for their employees, like the Imagineering and all that, oh, anything yeah. anybody owns creates, Disney owns that. Like the the original people that came up with it, defer their copyright. And that's true in a lot of privileges. a lot of creative things where you work for corporations. I, when I worked for Radio Shack, they had a clause in the in the initial hiring papers that I had to sign that said if I come up with any ideas, any mm. intellectual property of mine is automatically transferred to Radio Shack. Which, they own everything that I come up with. Which I think is the source of the problem that I have. And Julie kind of talked about this, about you know Disney owning the copyright as opposed to Walt Disney owning the copyright. Right. I think copyrights should be owned by creators. And I, I think agree. I think that that is my answer I've, that I've come to at this point, mm-hmm. is if you're the creator of the work, you own the copyright. <laughs> but th- then what, if, what about in cases where the creator doesn't exercise any control over it? Like That's what, fine. What if they do die and they don't specify that they you know, want anything public domain or kept private uh, or kept in the family? Do you just assume that they want it common? Do you assume that they, they want it out there? In a situation like what's, that... What's the default? You know? Well, the, I mean, the, the the reason you have a copyright, as we kind of talked about, is is to make money. Yeah. Is is to be able to make money off of your stuff. If you're dead, you don't need to make any more money. Okay, so you've got a family you're supporting, um, and they want, and you know, you've died suddenly, so you know it can't go straight into public domain because 
they've they've become accustomed to that. You know, we talk we talk. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. accustomed clauses like in divorces. You know, if you if you're rich <laughs> and you marry someone and she divorces you, she has, she's become accustomed to a certain lifestyle, and so oh. you have to pay her higher alimony charges. Oh my gosh. Well, whatever. Um, but that's yeah. getting a bit off track. Well, that's okay. It's bad philosophy. Don't worry. Well, yeah. <laughs> but so I but I I think I would be okay with a death plus seven. Like I, you know, I, I think, think reason- that's what I, I think. That's I a reasonable default. And I what think if it- the guy's like twenty-two years old though, or like like really young, and and like did have a family or whatever though? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but but uh. I'm saying, but if he if he dies though, the family that's seven years they can live off that copyright while trying to build a life for themselves well, and try and survive sense. on their own. And I think seven years is a pretty substantial amount of time to do that. But when you get to death plus 70, you're no longer supporting the family through grieving exactly. and through getting back on their feet yeah, and letting them make their own money. It ends up becoming serving the interests of the corporation that, that has a vested yes. interest mm. in that copyright. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's, that's really what this is. This isn't, what Disney is trying to push is not about the inventor anymore. Um, you know, as much as they tout their imagineering and their, you know, creativity and all. Which Disney has a lot of. Which they do. And I, I'm not saying Disney doesn't produce pretty cool stuff. Wally loved it, except it was more Pixar. But, <laughs> but Disney owns still, Pixar. But Disney owns them, and and, and else Disney their... owns Wally. Disney owns a lot of things. Yeah. Yes, they do. ABC. ABC. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish Disney didn't own so much sometimes, but anyway, uh, no denying they do cool, cool stuff. But I really have a problem with the way that they go about owning and controlling their cool stuff. They do it in a, in an extremely Nazi-ish fashion. Or, or <coughs> Damn it! I was waiting for that. I'm sorry. I had, to, I had to do it. Had to do it. Should I say draconian fashion? I would have said fascist. Okay. Because fascist mm-hmm. is one of those words that nobody really knows what it means, yeah. and so you can just but use it wherever you want. It. Everybody hates fascists, okay. but nobody it. knows what fascists are. <laughs> they do it in a very fascist fashion. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Get some alliteration. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I love People, I said it. I consider Disney pretty fascist. Um, not that their works are bad. I'm not saying that. Like, I I like what Disney produces, but I don't like the way they control what they produce or what people they own produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is sort of I, I don't know. This it has an air of of uh, almost a slave type system. You know, you we we own you in a sense because that's what I felt like own, I was we signing. We own away. we own the products of your mind. Exactly. That, like, is, that is not just owning a person. That is owning. The, something beyond owning their body. You can control their body, but you not only do that, you control what they create. Exactly. Well, and like it, it's it's funny owning such things as ideas. Mm-hmm. Like that let's you know go philosophical again. If thoughts are are physical manifestations in our our mind of like electrical patterns or something, how can you how can you put a fence around that? Like how can you say, "Well, I own that." Like I have some sort of control over what you think. That it's it seems mm-hmm. just completely foreign to me. Like that, like we can own physical things, but thoughts seem to be you know, patterns. Well, maybe they're similar well, to maybe it's similar to songs. Like yeah. what, do you, what do y'all think of that? Like our thoughts, our thoughts similar to music. So well, we can we can own copyrights to music. So copyright isn't necessarily on an idea. It is on the presentation and arrangement of an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think. If if I were to sit in my brain and just for for no reason, never having read Shakespeare previously, think Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> have I broken a copyright? No. No. If I write down Romeo and Juliet, and I can't live in a world where I don't know Romeo and Juliet, I just that's where I am, so I'm yeah. going to know that. Um, well, there if, there is a possible world in which you would spontaneously well, well, come up with that yes, idea. But the, the idea is copying. 
you have the right to copy that. Yeah. If I'm copying Romeo and Juliet, or if I'm producing it originally. Mm. Now, now, once again, the chances of me producing Ooh. Romeo and Juliet astronomically at random are, 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 don't don't exist. Now, that's an interesting issue, though. Well, but it, what if it does happen? I mean, and, and, oh, I wish I knew. I wish. I knew of some cases where this did happen because I'm sure, like somebody, like two people on other sides of the world have probably at this, at independently of each other, invented the same mousetrap and like the same <laughs> the same mousetrap configuration and copywritten it individually. What happens in that case? Can you can you say, well, you know, who came up with the idea first? But you know, whether one person came up with the idea first, does that even matter? Because it's, it's they didn't stuff. know of the other person. It, it's who has more money to start with. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't think money should have anything to do with it, but Shouldn't. like, it does. like well, I then, thought about it first. And like, that's what the copyright is all about, pretty much, is money anyway, or yeah. like pride or something. People really. are selfish. Mm-hmm. Well, that's there's an element of pride in it. Like, I, I like to to say to claim my own ideas and say like yeah I came up with that um, well, we kind of talked about this on, on episode zero but like ideas are usually a reformulation of mm-hmm. other stuff that you've already taken in so you know can you really call it completely your own or right. you know you're, you're, but you put it together in that fashion yeah I, I, I want to kind of go off onto a different tangent do y'all is, is anything ever really new or is it just new to us or new in a certain Arrangements, yeah, a new arrangement of something. Yeah, I would, I would start out just by saying things are new. People are creative. People build stuff that's never been seen before. Um, yeah, like can you can you ever truly invent something, or are you simply reformulating matter into a a new pattern? But it is. See, that's is, kind of what okay. I think. Well, because my my head went to, and you'll like this, Julie. My head went to Philip Glass, who is a composer. Mm. Who did something that I when I he, there's other minimalist composers, but when I first encountered Philip Glass, it was actually through a play um, called Philip Glass buys a loaf of bread, but it was <laughs> it was taking a mundane everyday sort of structure, and and it, it was Philip Glassified the play was, um, but it it took it and took the components and made something completely do, new and original and different, mm. and I consider that to be a new product. Because it is so different, um, and Philip Glass does that with music. He doesn't take old pieces, but he he takes you know a little snippet of something, and then throws it inside out and and huh. plays it all sorts of stuff. We should check archive.org and see if there's any Philip Glass music on there that we can play at the end of this. That would be I, I will um, I just just a thought. I don't know if I don't know if anything's out there, but if there was, is his stuff cool. usually usually public domain? I don't or? know. Mm-hmm. There's, well, that's true. Or pod safe. I, I, I forget yeah. that we're podcasting. I was like, they probably got some albums for sitting right there. <laughs> oh, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, as, as much as it feels like it, we're not just having a fun conversation between friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, a mm. quick question for you guys: Has the iPhone ever been created before, or is that new? That's definitely. Or is it new. just well, re- remixing matter from a black But you are still combining different technologies that people have um, thought of. That's I mean, true. It's not, yeah. But the, that pattern is new. And I, I think mm-hmm. maybe that's where we get the idea of new. Like, well, for instance, your body. Like, you're never, you're never the same person from one instance to the next if you just look at matter. But you're in the same pattern. Uh-huh. Or you can, you can draw kind of like a line. This is all a question of personal identity. It's one of my, one of my <laughs> favorite problems in philosophy. But that's the thing. Like, you take in food. It goes to various parts of your body. And, you know, your skin cells shed. You, you crap a bunch and that matter passes you know no pun intended matter leaves you if you, if you try to say well you know i i am my matter can't do that if you try to say like the iphone is a certain bit of matter well 
you know, my, my iPhone has different matter than your iPhone, but they're both iPhones because they're in that pattern. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the configuration of matter. Is that, and that's, that's what matters, is the <laughs> configuration of matter. Reminds me of uh, one of the old Simpsons shorts from uh, the, the show they were on before they were The Simpsons. The Simpsons Tracy, were on Tracy show. Ullman, they, were, they did, had little short bits, and they were on the Tracy Ullman show. That's where Simpsons got started. Oh. But there was one where like, it was bedtime, and all the Simpsons kids were going to bed, and um, Bart asks like, a philosophical question about the nature of mind and stuff, <laughs> and to which Homer replies, What is mind? No matter. What is matter? Never mind. Oh, <laughs> I like that. That's uh, really which that's really just shows you how intelligent the Simpsons have always been. Yeah, like the writers thereof. Yeah, the the question then becomes like, okay, if I come up with a new pattern and I copyright it, that's that's what has been copywritten. Not any particular instance, not any particular matter, just that pattern, which is a very abstract I thought and. People owning patterns is a is a very interesting thing. Like that's that's what the FCC does. That's mm-hmm. what that's what it means to copyright a song because song is just sound waves modulated in a certain way in a certain sequence. Well, I, mean, I know. I mean, there's 88 keys on the piano. I mean, you can push them into different. I mean, tons of different orders. Oh yeah. Or, or durations, but it's all the same 88 notes are still sitting there in front of you. Is anyone on the copyright to piano? What, like just the word to, piano? No, to a piano. Like to, oh, to 88 the... keys, two or three pedals, uh, that sort of structure. Well, the, Probably not. It's, it's, it, that's an invention that has evolved a lot. I mean, yeah. Well, certainly. Uh, it, over, it would be a well, patent. It would be a patent. It would be, but yeah. I don't think anyone has... No, well, I no. I don't like, so. I wonder, could I go to the patent office and put in a patent application for the piano? The piano. <laughs> I doubt it. As everybody races there. Yeah. I, d- I doubt it. And I really think that that's definitely one of the things that has gone common. I mean, instruments, <laughs> like the configuration for an instrument. Well, and then you get the question of, okay, well, what about variations on the piano? Mm-hmm. You know, well, and when, that's at really what point does it not become a piano anymore? Right. Like, how, how different do you have to make the instrument before your patent doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> well, I think your patent would be whatever you do to it, ne- maybe, necessarily. Like, if I were to add a different pedal that would do something different, like, I would put my patent on the pedal, hmm. not necessarily the entire instrument. Right. That makes sense. In that sense. Still, though, like, you're, what makes it adding to something? Like, what, what, what is that bass thing? And if, if you define any particular type of piano to be the bass, well, that you know, excludes other types of pianos. Like, there's no, there's no just archetype for a piano. We can only define piano insofar as it is similar to other pianos. Didn't Plato talk about this? The ideal chair or something? Right. Well, it's metaphysics. Yeah. It's, it's basically rudimentary metaphysics. Um, that's the thing. Like, can you can you ever say, you know, what is what is iPhone? If I put a different like sticker on my <laughs> iPhone, well, is that that? Yeah. It's still is, an iPhone. Is there but... is there a single concept of iPhone that exists independent of anything you do to an iPhone? Right. Or with an iPhone. But what if you run like Windows Mobile on your iPhone? Yeah. Is it still, is it an, still iPhone? an iPhone? Is and and what what gives it an inherent iPhone equality? Or the, there's another one. Um, Oh, the I, ship of Theseus, yeah. I named my computer after it okay. um, because, cool. because yeah. I started I, – I recreated my computer piece by piece over, you know, a year or two. I would – something would break, so I'd replace it, which is what happened with the, the ship of, of Theseus, apparently. Yeah, the ship of Theseus. Um, you know, started out as a ship and then over the course of its life was replaced one piece of wood at a time at – and until at the end of its life, was not, there was not a single you know, piece on it that was part of the original ship. Mm-hmm. Is it still the same ship? 
Oh, and then, but but the, it's, it goes even farther. No. Like someone was uh, was collecting those pieces as they took a board off and, yeah. and replaced it with a new one. Someone was collecting the old boards, and once they had all the pieces of a ship, they reassembled it, and there were now two ships of Theseus. <laughs> so I don't like, know, that's I mean, uh, and you know, which one is the original? Is it the one that that had continuity with the other ship? Like all the matter had continuity with mm-hmm. with both. Both ships had continuity with that matter, sort of. It, it's it's a fun problem, and that's copyright. And that's and that's copyright, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, As is this episode. Uh, oh yeah, this episode is is copyrighted uh, January tenth, two thousand two thousand nine. Bad philosophy. Dot so, com. Uh, Tell your friends it's going to y- be a thing. Right. Exactly. Oh, and, and uh, well, we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, be looking out for Kevin's uh, reading of Cory Doctorow's book. Uh, thank you all panelists for being on this show, Julie. Uh, we wish you well in your Korean exploits. Uh, go ahead and explain a little bit. Like, What are you going to be doing and what's, what are you most excited about? Um, I'm pretty excited right now about getting there for the Lunar New Year and hanging out <laughs> with some friends for that, so that's going to be really good. But I'm um, just going to be studying Korean language because I think it's amazing and I would love to be able to speak it. Sweet. So I'm going to do that and um, teach some English to some elementary kids in a public school and It'll be really fun. It'll be interesting, but blog about it. I, I actually do have to keep a blog, and yeah. I've already got it set up. But um, and we'll try to get you on at least once on on Skype on a, in a future yeah. episode because I, I want to get I want to get some cultural comparisons going. Like you know how how the Koreans view certain philosophical issues. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be would be a good question. Um, Matt, we hope you get well soon. Well, thank you. Uh, sorry, you have a little bit of a of a cold or something. Yeah, <laughs> Allergies something's in there. Clogging up the tubes, as it were. Uh, <laughs> it's a series of tubes. Yeah, there's, just, not, there's not enough bandwidth just put in something here. on. It's a series of tubes. <laughs> That's right. I have the DJ Techno Tubes remix of that uh, speech. Maybe we should put that as the outro music. <laughs> <laughs> Different episode. Different episode. Um, Kevin, thank you for being on the show and all of, for all of your insightful comments. Everyone, we hope you enjoyed the audio configuration on this episode, and we will be doing something similar, uh, hopefully with an fourth microphone if we can figure out bum, how to bum, bum. do that mono mono yeah we need an adapter we need like a i need like a 50 cent adapter from mono price to make this work <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a matter of ordering it and getting it in here so we'll see y'all next time on bad philosophy be sure to tell your friends it's gonna be a thing Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men should obey me. (laughs) 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 Nicely done. Badphilosophy.com What, what, whiz up?